0: our spirituality is really about our connection with each other. Uh, It really is about, like, look around, like, look across and then look next to you at each other. Like, this is a crazy thing that Jesus said. Jesus was nuts. Um, He said, where two or three are gathered, there I am. And so, I mean, I've, I've been all over the world looking for God. And it was when I quit looking, thinking that maybe something out there would zap me, and I got close to a guy like Ryan and shared with him my life, God showed up. Isn't that weird? And so the very presence of God comes to us, um, what uh, Paula D'Arcy says, disguised as our own life. (laughs) So so the Holy Spirit just kind of embeds the very presence of divine presence in our own life. And I used to think, well, when I get this crap out of me, then maybe God would be more strong. If I didn't struggle with this, maybe then um, God would, um, I'd feel God's presence more. Maybe if I didn't struggle with my own anxiety, then God would, whatever that was, whatever that is, And I've come to believe that the very place that God embeds God's Spirit is in this person sitting right next to you. And wouldn't that be God? God doesn't want anything from you except um, you opening up yourself of who you are, sharing that with another person, and then the very Spirit of God says, Oh, okay, now we can work with that, right? And so um, our spirituality is about each other. It's about connection. I said this last week. It's not about belief. Primarily, the spiritual life is not about what you pull out of your chest and then kind of say all these creeds. um, Because I can say I believe something in my head, but really what I believe in my body is what counts. Does that make sense? I I can say I believe in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, But really what I believe is that I have to amass a bunch of stuff. I have to be uh, secure. And so what I really believe is that it's up to me. What I really believe is that there's not going to be enough. And so I'll say things with my head and my mouth, but my body is acting counter to that. And so the way that the Spirit moves is God gets all that. And he says, I want you to build strong relationships with each other so that I could, uh, as Ram Das says, take you by the hand and just start walking you home. And so we do parties because they're fun, um, but we do parties because uh, there's something about Jesus in a party. In fact, that's the first place he ever did a miracle, was to keep a party going. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You know, the water, the wine. He kept the party going. And uh, so there's something about the kingdom of heaven that um, is gonna sound more like a party than it is of a, a church business meeting. God save us all, right? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that's what we hope you, uh, you're able to show up to. Um, and we really, we really think Philip and I, as we have been thinking and praying about this class for um, the last year and a half or so, is, is it's about relationships. And so bring a friend, I, we're not going to amway anybody in the middle of that. Does that make sense? We're not going to sucker you into some kind of pyramid scheme of the church and say, okay, now that you're here, you know? we're Hopefully, you'll, you'll be, if you're involved in amway, I'm sorry. I did not mean <laughs> to. I say things I don't have a, sometimes I realize when I get home, I'm like, Russell. <sighs> I'm gonna say, um, So, uh, but we really, we really uh, are wanting to do that. So, and you'll meet folks here that you're really, you think, I mean, take a risk, ask them out to coffee, get to know them. So, um, yeah. And if you are here for the first time uh, or the second time, let me say this. We all know how hard it is to walk into a place where you don't know anybody. It's just really hard. And it takes a lot of courage. And so out of that, we just say, um, we're glad you're here. So, yeah. All right. We're going to look at a text today that um, is, a, a, is an Advent text. An Advent, this word, um, is a way that the church has really kind of arranged itself to say, we want to prepare you for a season. Um And so, Advent is the preparation for this coming of Jesus. It means, Advent means longing, waiting, coming. Um, It's an anticipation. Um, When I was a kid, um, my grandparents came from New Mexico, from Grants, New Mexico, outside of Albuquerque. And I've told this story before, but my brother, sister, and I uh, would often wait um, outside of our door for hours, uh, waiting for them to come around the corner and to turn on Lakeland Drive in Carrollton, Texas, up the little hill. Um, and any time we started seeing uh, lights of a car, we just would get all excited. Our bodies would just start moving, and we just, you know. Uh, and when uh, cars would pass, we'd be like, ah. We'd sit there waiting. So, um, Advent is that. It's waiting for something that you know is good that's coming around the corner. And, and the way that we've done that in the church often has said it's, it's about a day. And after the day is over, we all kind of have this Christmas hangover. Um, some literally a hangover. Um, but this Christmas hangover of like, wow, the circus has left. Where Advent in the New Testament is about a whole new way of seeing the world. It's about the way that God comes um, disguised as our own life in the person of Jesus. And then it's not about one event. It's about a new beginning of a new way of being in the world. And so um, Advent is to prepare us for that, to wake us up from that. The Spanish poet Antonio Machicado said, all of the words of Jesus can be summed up in the one word, wake up. So Advent is to wake us up so that we might see uh, the world the way God sees it. So um, here's the text that comes out of Luke. And um, I always am shocked when we read these kinds of texts um, uh, for Advent because they're they're a little disjointed to me. They really kind of um, create some tension. And so, um, David, I'm going to give you a time. Yeah, is... David's going to read this first one. I'll put it up to you. All right. In the 15th year of the rule of Caesar Tiberius, it was while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, ruler of Galilee, his brother Philip, ruler of Ituria, and Trachonidas, Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the chief priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, John, Zachariah's son, out in the desert at the time received a message from God. He went all through the country around the Jordan River preaching a baptism of life change leading to forgiveness of sins as described in the words of Isaiah the prophet. And this is what's described in Isaiah. Thunder in the desert, prepare God's arrival, make the road smooth and straight. Every ditch will be filled in, every bump smoothed out, the detour is straightened out, all the ruts paved over. Everyone will be there to see the parade of God's salvation. Mm. Thanks. So this is what's happening. You've got John the Baptist, who looks like some kind of freak show, right? I mean, the, the way that the New Testament describes him is he's got this kind of camel, like, scratchy suit on. He's eating locusts and honey, Right? He's not somebody that you want your daughter to bring home to on a first date. You know, This guy has moved out of Jerusalem and is in the desert. And he is really what some theologians think is the last Old Testament prophet. This guy's living like a prophet. He's stripped down to nothing. He's, um, he's only eating, uh, in a sense, what, um, what Yahweh brings him to eat in the desert. This is, this is the children of Israel in the desert. And he begins to prophesy about this one that's coming, uh, which I think is really amazing. And it says all the people in the surrounding areas start to come to hear John the Baptist speak. And what I think is interesting about that is he's on the Jordan River, the banks of the Jordan River, which is, um, you know, um, Jewish history, the history of Israel is the place where the children of Israel crossed over into the promised land, and they were confronted by the Canaanites, these f- folks that were opposing them. And the Canaanites, um, it wasn't as if God, they, they showed up, uh, the Israelites showed up and said, um, by the way, God has given us this land that you've been living in for a couple thousand years, and it's flowing with milk and honey, we hear, and so we're here just to take it over. And it wasn't as if the Canaanites said, well, we've been waiting for you. Here you go, <laughs> right? No. there was just like fierce battle. In fact, um, some of the Canaanites were um, assimilated into Israel, but most of them were known as these kind of, they, they get, began to intermingle and intermarry. But there was a, a section of Israel that was, that was uh, if you read, if, you, if we were to keep reading in Luke, there's a woman, this Syrophoenician woman um, that um, came to Jesus with one uh, request because her daughter was really sick. And nobody could make her daughter well. And she came to Jesus and said, "Um, would you heal my daughter? And Jesus responded out of his own cultural construction and said, hey, listen, a good Jew like me doesn't hang with half-breeds. He used this racial slur. And this woman had this encounter with Jesus and Jesus changes his mind and goes, oh, Even the grace of God moves beyond the borders of Israel into the entire place where um, we have been taught God does not move or live or His activity is not found. And so um, John the Baptist is on this border and it says people from all over are coming. So you've got Canaanites, you've got folks that are enemies, half-breeds, these folks that don't belong. You've got all these folks that are coming. And then uh, also the religious show up. We didn't read this. I was going to um, read this verse too. But right after this, it says that the religious from Jerusalem come and that John the Baptist sees them and he says, you brood of vipers, which I think is a, you know, I mean, John just, he did not read, you know, um, how to win friends and influence people, right? <laughs> so here you've got this dude that's like dressed in camel hair and, and eating really wonky stuff, um, and is starting to to say someone is coming that's going to dismantle all of the religious structures, all of the political structures, all of the caste system that says the people on top um, get to rule everything else, and the people on the bottom are just fodder for that, all that stuff is going to be reconfigured in the kingdom of God. Jesus begins to talk about the first being last. Who, who is my brother and my mother? Is it about DNA? Is it about birthright? Or is it about love? And Jesus begins to say that people that follow Him in love, that's the DNA of the Spirit, right? So Jesus begins to reorder that even in His own ministry. And so John the Baptist is like, he's like a snow plow. And he he says he sees the religious show up, and he says, "You broods of vipers, y'all are part of the problem, right?" Um, I just I think this is this is really interesting. I began to wonder: this is Advent, this is the Advent text. You brood of vipers, right? I began to think there is. Uh, um, if I were to send a Christmas card out this year, you know. <laughs> And that's and John the Baptist, happy, you know, Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers, right? Like, that'd be a little odd, wouldn't it? Have you ever gotten a card like this? No. But this is probably more biblical than any of the other kind of pretty scenes that we will all be sending out to our friends and family, right? Um, somebody please send me a card like this, right? This is, like, this is John the Baptist card that says, Jesus is coming, and our lives can't look the same. Jesus is not some kind of uh, GNC supplement that you put in your drink and stir it up and you've got a little more energy. It's not some kind of cream that you rub on a sore part of your body and it allows you to move a little better. That the coming of Jesus is going to change everything. And that those that resist that those like me who have brought up and have been brought up in the church have a really hard time then fulfilling what um, what the scripture says, what Mike just read. Prepare God's arrival, make the road smooth and straight. Every ditch will be filled in, every bump smoothed out. The way that Isaiah says this is every mountain will be made low and every valley will be brought up. It's a a level playing field. The detour straightened out, the ruts paved over. Everyone will be there to see the parade of God's salvation. And so that many times, and I just want to walk through this passage just a little and just kind of uh, point out a couple things that hit me um, over the um, over this season and over this text, is that often, um, because of my religious upbringing, I'm taught about who belongs and who does not belong, who is in and who is out. And often then um, what happens is that I become a uh, a part of that which John might describe as the brood of vipers. Um, But what if we are to create a path, not an obstacle course for people? What if um, our um, connection to Jesus, the whole point of religion, is to make it easier for people to connect with Jesus, not harder? What if we were to remove every obstacle so that people might know the love of God? And often it's religion that places um, obstacles in front of people, checks people's cards, makes sure that they are on the right side, have said the right That's words true. or the right kind of people, doing the right kinds of things. And what Isaiah says is that when Jesus shows up, when the, the, the Son of Man shows up, um, the religious folks should not be creating barriers or obstacles. Um, we should be constructing a pathway of love. I just saw um, somebody sent me today um, a stat that showed the decline of religious or a church involvement over the last 15 years. And we are just, right now, first time in history, um, less people go to church, under 50% of the population in America goes to church and even considers himself to be Christian. Now, um, that didn't freak me out. Like, I, 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 I have some ways of thinking about that, you know. Um, as somebody asked me the other day, are you a Christian? And I said to them, you tell me what you think a Christian is and I'll tell you if I'm that, <laughs> Right? <laughs> I mean, because Christians have done some nutty stuff, and we aligned the name has been aligned with some nutty stuff. And so, when somebody asks me if I'm a Christian, I, I, I that's my response nowadays. Tell me what you think a Christian is. I'll tell you if I'm that. And so, um, the call of the church is to be a place where. Um, We remove obstacles from the path. I think that the natural heart of all of us want to connect with God. I think at the the heart of you, when you were conceived and you were being uh, um, woven together in your mother's womb, there is something about you that wants to connect with, uh, in the way that the program of Alcoholics Anonymous says it, a power greater than yourself. In the way that the scripture says it, the 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 mystery of the world, the foundation of the world, the 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 presence that creates all the other presences, that there's something in our heart that wants to connect with that. And that we ought to be we ought to be about not creating obstacles to that, but pathways towards that. Does, Does that make sense? And people might say, well, Russell, I mean, it means you don't have any standards, do you? You're just going to let everybody in? Yeah, folks, that's what that means. (laughs) That's exactly what that means. See, what I think is interesting is that he who had no reputation, is what the Scripture says about Jesus, doesn't need a bunch of folks to defend his reputation. Right? Because there is something about a community of vulnerability where I can share the exact nature of what I struggle with with a brother like Ryan who returns me to myself. I'm not trying to compete with Ryan. I'm not trying to to outdo him. I'm not trying to put myself forward and show my Facebook self in front of a guy like Ryan. I'm trying to be vulnerable with Ryan. There's something in that that makes the path Smooth for a guy like Matt Russell. Does that make sense? But if I'm trying to compete with Ryan, and we've turned both maybe our economic or our spiritual life into a competition, but a real nice competition. Right? How are you kids doing, Ryan? Oh, wow, wow, wow. Right? I'm praying for you, brother. Right? It's like a little subtle, like, Spiritual BSE stuff, right? It's just like, you know, it's we we, in there. It's in me. It's in me, folks. But if I can be vulnerable, and what ends up happening is a path gets smoothed out in my life. And so what John is saying is don't play religious games. You brood of vipers, Merry Christmas, quit playing games. It's about vulnerability, making the path smooth. The mountains, the things that I think are a mountain, Become low when I'm in relationship. And then I can hear Bono's voice it's a hill, it's not a mountain that you got to climb. I can hear um, Father Gregory Boyle's voice you think it's a hole you're in. Son, I'm taller than you, it's a tunnel. You will never know that if you play religious games. And we're putting obstacles in front of people. And that we are the worthy ones that are here this Sunday morning. None of us are worthy. None of us are. And so once we realize that, we can kind of put down the game playing and we can take risks with each other. And so what John the Baptist is doing in a a really kind of non-marketable way... (laughs) Is trying to put people in um, a, an ice tub and wake them up and say, "There's another way of living. There's another way forward. There's another path that we can uh, that we can take." Um, this is the other thing I think that is really interesting too. Um, the activity of God is often found on the edges. The activity of God, the presence of God, is often found on the edges. Let me read this first part of this uh, text. In the 15th year of the rule of Caesar Tiberius... It, now, now this is interesting. <laughs> it was while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod ruler of Galilee, his brother Philip ruler of... I don't know how to say any of these words. Um, um, if, David, you did a much better than I, I did. <laughs> Can we just say Katie, Texas, you know? <laughs> Ruler of Abilene. There it is, folks. (laughs) During the chief priesthood of uh, Ananias and Cephas, uh, um, John, uh, Zachariah's son, out in the desert at the time, received the message of God. So why would Luke say, in the year that Biden was president, Abbott was governor, and goes through all of the power brokers of the time that the word of the Lord moves to the edges in the desert to a dude that's wearing like like something he had fashioned. He probably found a dead carcass, made it himself, is eating locusts and honey, carbs and sugar. No, nice it's protein and sugar, wouldn't it be? <laughs> should try that. <laughs> That's where the word of the Lord comes. To a no-name person out in the desert that's standing in the center of his own truth saying, folks, we've got it all wrong. We don't need to create more obstacles. We need to create a larger path. Prepare your hearts for what's coming so you don't miss it. If you go to the mall, has anybody been to the mall lately, or maybe even on the Amazon Mall lately? <laughs> anybody, can I get a show of hands? Anybody? Me? i been. It, you can get lost. I've been looking for a tent to go camping. I got lost in hell of the internet tenting things reviews. Review. Michelle Finder was like, "Bro, let me help you." close my laptop. I'm like, thank you. That we are just folks that get lost in the busyness, not just of this season, of every season. And that this is the economy of God, that God often, the activity of God, is often in the edges of our life. It's on the edges. I'm thinking that the activity is in the center, what I do, my ego, the money I can make, the name I can make for myself. And all of our activity, all of our energy is poured into that to secure the center of our very being. And then something starts to fall apart on the edges of our life. An intimate relationship we have with a spouse or a partner, we can no longer... um, Manage the way and the distance that we feel. An emotion called depression or despair or anxiety. We can no longer sublimate, push down, run from. Our children. We realize the limits of the power we have over them which really sucks. <laughs> it, I mean, I'm the, that really does, doesn't it? It does until it doesn't. And we begin to see that it's on the edges of our life, often the places we don't want to talk about in here, often the places we reserve either for a therapist's office, Or when we've had too many things to drink. Or in a moment of weakness, we might say something that we regret later because it shows the edges of our life. And often, and I don't know why this is true, it's in the edges where the spiritual activity of God often lives. Think, Think about it. Think about the edge of your life. I know some of y'all. I know some of what you've walked through. Some of y'all know me and know what some of I've walked through. And I, I think we could tell if we if we could come out, somehow suck out all of the stuff that doesn't matter and turn our knees towards each other, and we were to be able to talk about the edges of our life today. My hunch is, is that some of us could say, thank God for the edges. It was the edges that saved me. I thought what was going to kill me actually become, became the thing that saved me. D- does that make sense? And so, this is John the Baptist. All of the uh, Word of the Lord that moves through all of the power-brokering things moves to the edges. And not just to the edges. I'll say this and then close. I know some of y'all got to pick kids up and all that, so please... It's the wilderness, then, that becomes a place of transformation. We have John the Baptist in the wilderness. Often the place that we resist the most becomes a place of transformation. So often, um, Advent can be this thing that we feel like, um, and particularly Christmas, we just airbrush the crap out of things, and we just hope it's the happiest time in the world, right? And so we're all just, and I'm not saying it's not. I love Christmas. Love it. I, don't, may, I may not love it as much as Sarah does, <laughs> who has had her um, house decorated for the last six months. <laughs> you talk about a long advent. She is the bomb. <laughs> there's something about it, but there's also something that says, um, is there a place for some of my sadness or some other emotions besides the happiest time in the world? And so what the, what the um, advent does is it holds these two things together. It says, yes, there is joy that's coming. God is coming and it's going to set everything right. God, it's going to be God that takes the mountains and moves them into the valleys and the valleys and moves them up. It's the way of God that makes a path level for you. It's the way of God that, that um, reaches out into a, a marriage that you're struggling with that begins to provide a pathway forward. It's the love of God that says in your depression, in your anxiety, in the despair that you feel this morning, this is not the end. It's not a period, it's a comma. That's the Spirit of God that does that. And often, we don't recognize that until we're in the wilderness. And so my hunch is that some part of our lives, maybe some part of all of our lives, are in the wilderness of some Someplace. And that becomes the place of transformation. Because often it's in the wilderness that I can hear new thoughts. It's often in the wilderness that all of the voices that say, I've got to do better, I've got to do more. You're only as good as your last success. You're only as happy as your happiest kid. Or least happy kid. Um, that, that, that all of those things begin to dissipate. And I'm open. We are open to other voices. One that's crying out in the wilderness that steps into that place, is baptized, and we begin to hear, oh, you're my beloved son and daughter. So maybe um, part of what we do in Advent is we create some space for some wilderness. space for to ask where um, in my own heart um, does God want to speak to me? my own place am I trying to push too hard to do too much and what do I need to do? Maybe the call is to step back and allow the Spirit of God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. But we begin to see the activity of God is on the edges and often in the wilderness. And that prepares us this Jesus is coming to make all things right and new. That's what I got. Any uh, comments, feedback, things that came up for you today? Things you want to say? Sorry if I keyed in on you too much, Ryan. (laughs) Yes, Charlie, please. Um, We got your email this week about the raffle. Mm. And uh, as I'm sure many people did, once their minister sent them an email saying you Get involved with the raffle. We <laughs> bought a ticket, and I'm sure, as we all believe, we each won the prize. The first question is: Where are we going to pick up the prize? If we won? Okay. Yes. Yeah. You go to Kelly Law's house to pick that up. <laughs> That's exactly it. I'll, I'll send out her uh, her address today. The second question, more importantly, is: Do we have any idea how much money we gathered? That's a great answer. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for that question, Charlie the total yet. I know the raffle alone raised $9,000, which is amazing. Amazing. Um, You know, the night before, the the directors were at uh, our house for dinner and I told uh, Tiffany, I said, I don't think tomorrow's going to go well. Uh, Our donations are way down. Uh, We've just got to be prepared for that. And she looked at me and she said, these are God's children. (laughs) Like hmm. it's gonna work out, and we had record sales on um, Thursday, so I haven't heard the total yet, um, but I know it's enough to meet all of our obligations down there and then some. Mm. So, yeah, great. that's great. So thank you for coming. Thank it. you, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I got to meet um, some of the folks that run uh, that whole mission, and they're they're amazing. Like, they're pushing all that money into not overhead stuff, but into the trenches where these kids live. Um, and I was just, I was blown away. So um, I'm stoked about partnering with folks like that and really excited about um, There's been a group of folks here that have gone on a trip there. I want to go sometime. Um, so, yeah. Thank, thanks for asking that. That's one of the ways we can make a, a mountain come down and a valley come up, isn't it? And and, and that happens in Guatemala because we're doing something here. I love that. What else? In my my name's Pete, remember?
1: <laughs> we remember oh, you, Pete. Yeah. But I've
0: uh, uh, the- been Um, but I'm glad to be back and in this last week I've begun to realize how truly blessed I really am mm. all this ministry something more. I like to come and hear you talk about that power of faith mm. Thanks. I to get back to it because I lost yes. it yeah oh God you're here so I will appreciate all of those prayers for my, uh, my return <laughs> I'm amen to get back. amen okay. thanks. 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 thanks thanks all right anybody else all right we've got a party on Thursday uh, from seven to nine I'll send out another um, uh, reminder if you have not been getting emails check your spam folder that's what somebody told me to do and then and then after you've checked your spam folder because I'm spamming people I guess uh, um, then let me know and I'll, I'll we'll, we'll keep figuring out so and then we'll send out um, an e invite uh, again and we'll see you on Thursday so I have sent out an address um, the last two weeks in a row and uh, and on the e-invite it will be on there as well Um, and so, yeah yeah and if you don't know the address and you haven't been getting emails or don't get the e-invite, let me know I'll text it to you or or email it to you individually so yeah yeah, good All right, well let's stand and uh, why don't we hold hands with each other and we'll pray Oh, yes, the inner circle here. Yes. <laughs> Finally, all right. Y'all right, y'all, y'all listen in. <laughs> <On the edge. laughs> yeah, oh, well, maybe have somebody on the edge pray. <laughs> all right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love. That your love um, moves to us in ways that we can't even explain. We can sometimes see it in hindsight, mostly see it in hindsight. But you are relentless in the way that you pursue us, in the way that you accept us. Your tenderness is relentless. Gotta pray that we might become a community of tenderness, a community that is um, wanting to make valleys come up and mountains come down, and the path really, really big for folks to experience your love, because that's what changes us. God, we pray that we might move to the edges of each other's lives and that we might recognize you on the edge of our own. Hold us in the palm of your hand. Be with those that are not here today that are in need of you. May we bear witness to your love, your grace, and your power. Come, Holy Spirit. Do your work in us and even often in spite of us. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 See you next week. Yeah. yeah.